All right. Um, now I get the awesome privilege uh, to introduce some people to you guys that are very near and dear to my heart. Um, Go Serve is a great organization that we have had as a church have had a chance to participate in uh, with the Derecho up in uh, Iowa this past fall and then ho- helping with Abide Omaha and uh, building houses in the inner city and that kind of thing and spreading the love of Jesus. But um, I want to introduce them and have them come up here. But um, Dayton, Barb, and Chipper, they've really uh, made an impact in my life and I've really gotten to take the time to build relationship with them. I'll tell you what, if you want to build relationship with someone and get to know them, spend time serving and loving others because that'll really help you build relationships. So um, these people, like I said, they're very near and dear to my heart. And um, yeah, we've got uh, Barb here, who's kind of like a, a mama to me and definitely to these boys, my buddy Dayton here, and then Chipper. So they're going to take time, share a little testimony and bring the word this morning. Oh. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Well, good morning. Um, it it's a privilege for us to be here. Um, yeah, to be able to come and visit Tony and visit um, all you guys who came up and helped us with the derecho and just to be able to meet you guys. Um, and yeah, that block party was pretty cool last night. Um, so I guess. I would just start off by saying thank you for um, supporting us, for helping us, and for your heart for the kingdom and for your community. Um, it's neat to see. So, um, yeah, uh, like the screen says, my name is Chipper Fife. Um, I've been, <laughs> yeah, I got to make the slideshow last night, so these guys don't exactly know which pictures are coming. Um, so, yeah, I've been working with GoServe for... It's kind of a difficult timeline. More, more or less a year and a half, that's about the average. Um, uh, I came on full-time a little over a year ago. Um, and yeah, I, um, I guess if we go all the way back. Um, I'm a church kid. I grew up uh, going to church um, every Sunday, went to Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night um, every week. And... Um, I mean, it was, it was an incredible, incredible blessing. I can, I can look back and say that with full confidence, that uh, that was God's hand of blessing in my life. Um, but I also like to say that God saved me from being a good church kid, um, because you can definitely be... Oh, am I having problems? No, I just forgot to set it up there. Oh, hey, this thing will be good. This thing will be handy. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the sinfulness in our hearts runs so deep that you can, you can go wrong even by being raised in the church. Um, so the message that I received from being a church kid was that you have to be good. Um, you know, there's rules in Christianity. There's right answers. There's wrong answers. There's right things to do and there's wrong things to do. And you need to do the right things and not do the wrong things. Um, and I could get along pretty well with that until, you know, I started growing up a little bit more. Then all of a sudden I realized, well, I don't always do the right things. Sometimes I want to do the wrong things and I don't really know what to do with all of that. Um, but I felt like I had, I had to hide all of the, all that stuff because you're supposed to be a good kid. Um, and I didn't know how to deal with the fact that I wasn't a good person. Um, and God graciously, um, sent me a mentor after I graduated high school that he lived like he was forgiven. Um, he, he was very open and honest about his sin um, in a way that I hadn't experienced before. But he was, he knew how sinful he was, but he was also confident in who God had made him, that he was redeemed, that he was given grace. And throughout that year, just God did a miraculous work in my life. And I became a Jesus head, and I've really never been the same since. Um, and ever since then, um, I just I can't really see a good reason um, to be doing anything other than gospel work. Because, I mean, what else is more important than making sure that people know the gospel, that people know Jesus and hear about Jesus? Um, so I've done, I've done construction work, I've done, uh, worked at a factory, um, and it all just kind of was like, yeah, I don't really, no, I don't really want to be doing this. Um, 
I kept going on mission trips and kept going on mission trips. Um, and finally, just through um, various circumstances, I decided to uh, to jump on board full-time with GoServe. Um, I've gotten to go many places around the world, um, but I love, I love the picture of the gospel that we're able to live here um, doing what we do um, as the domestic team. We, we follow up disasters um, here in the U.S. So a tornado rips through a town, um, we'll come with equipment and tools and volunteers and help people start cleaning up. Um, and I love how that's a picture of what Jesus does for us. Because we were disasters. I mean, just straight up, honestly, we're, we're all, yeah, honestly, we still are pretty disastrous. Um, but Jesus comes, and he starts cleaning us up. He says, I've got you. You're clean. And then he starts working with us and cleaning us up. Sanctification day after day after day after day. Um, and so it's just a beautiful, beautiful picture, and I love being able to do that work, um, being able to show Jesus. So, yeah, that's me. And apparently I'm giving a message today, so we'll see how that goes in a little bit. Oh, man. I was not expecting those pictures. <laughs> uh, good morning, everyone. My name's Dayton Hicks. Um, I did not grow up like Chipper did. Uh, there's a few people out here uh, that have heard some of this story, I think. And uh, yeah, I grew up in Central California. Um, didn't grow up in the church. Had a household of, you know, I uh, had both my, both my parents and two siblings. And, um, you know, it was a very moral family, but we never went to church. Um, you know, I kind of heard, you know, if, if it has to do with Jesus, just leave it over there. Yeah, sure, I believe in God, though. And... Uh, you know, um, I got involved in, uh, in working on cars. That's what I did, and I loved it. And I started doing that at like 13 years old and ended up working for a family member for about 10 years. It was a very, very toxic relationship. Um, I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, I was never good enough. And so I used uh, drugs and alcohol to um, self-medicate, I guess you could say. And... Um, it got really dark really quick, and uh, I have to say, it's a, a nudge from the judge that got me to go to a program called Teen Challenge, and I was there for 16 months. It was an in-house uh, inpatient thing, and uh, it's basically Bible boot camp. Um, you, they say that you can get seven years of biblical education in a year, so I kind of got thrown into it, and the first couple weeks, I was like, what did I get myself into? And then about a month in, I said, okay, um, let's do this. Uh, if, if this is real, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a, my, my full shot. And August 28th, 2016, I accepted the Lord into my life, be my Lord and Savior. And uh, yeah, right? Give him, give him a hand clap. Um, and I'm not going to say it's been all peaches and cream since then, um, because... Jesus doesn't say it's going to be easy. That's a, a big lie that people think when you hear the Bible. Um, he said it's going to be hard and there's going to be persecution. But he also says that he's going to be there with us. And, um, you know, I moved out here uh, two years ago now on June 3rd, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, back up a little bit. I went to, uh, so after Teen Challenge, I went on a mission trip. Um, I have an uncle who's a missionary, and he has been for 30 years, and he is in Uganda now. And um, after I went through Teen Challenge, he heard about what had happened in my life and said, hey, you need to come out here and see what life is really like. So I did. Um, I was going to go for three months. I stayed for six, and I fell in love with serving people and loving on others. Um, I got to be a papa of 22, no, 28 South Sudanese refugee children, um, and I just got to hang out with them every day, and I was the dad figure, and you know, as an American going over there, I wanted to do stuff. I wanted to build a building, and I wanted to do all these other things, and you know, I talked to my uncle about it and said, hey, you know, I don't really feel like I'm doing anything. I'm just like the recess guy that goes and throws the kids around because it's fun. Right, and uh, we sat down and talked, and he said, "That's the most important thing you could be doing for them right now in this in this season of their life. 
It's being a father figure because they don't have them. Their, their parents, some of them got killed in front of their, in front of their children. And I've got to, got to talk to a couple of the kids about it. And that was heartbreaking, but also a um, very big blessing for me to be able to be a part of their lives. Um, fast forward a little bit. Uh, I wanted to, uh, so I ended up staying for the six months instead. And I knew that there were these homes coming from a different organization that I wanted to help build for these kids. And uh, lo and behold, it was uh, Dennis, the fourth member of us. He's not here today, but uh, he showed up with uh, a group, a short-term mission trip team, and uh, we got to help build the first five homes. It took us three days to uh, build five homes, and those homes will last um, 70 years. It costs $7,500 for us to purchase one, ship it overseas, and build it with a concrete floor. And I've seen eight mattresses in one of them. It's an 18-foot diameter grain bin that's built into a house. We ship 10 of them over at a time. And uh, is there a slide of those? There's Dennis, the other guy. So there's, this is in Haiti. Um, we have over 350 of these homes in Haiti and almost 500 around the world. So we have another 50 in Uganda. We have 10 in Peru, 10 in Kenya, and we're working on a lot more other places. Um, so, yeah, I uh, got to help build the first five homes. And then Dennis said, what are you doing when you leave Uganda? And I said, I don't know, but I need to get out of California. Because, uh, yeah, it was just a toxic relationship, and I didn't want to go back to where I was and work the same job with the same toxic person. He said, okay, well, let me see what I can do. Four days after I got back to the States, I got a phone call from him. and said, you coming to Iowa? He said, yeah, give me two weeks. I'll be there. And I came out, met some people, met a bunch of godly guys that are about my age, which I did not have in California, and uh, went to a missionary training in Montana for four months and decided to come on full time. Uh, it's been about two years now. And uh, man, the things I've got to do in the past two years compared to the 27 before that is, yeah, um, I'm getting a little choked up that. <laughs> uh, it's pretty darn cool. Um, you know, we get to help people in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I've uh, got to go to a few, few other countries since then and build some homes and love on people. And uh, also, we get to do stuff here domestically. So like Chipper said, when a disaster strikes, we're there like the next day. And we bring volunteers like a couple of you guys I see um, to come in. And whatever, whatever needs to get done, we find those people that um, are hopeless. Our tagline is delivering hope, and um, it's very easy to do if you have the heart of service. Uh, you find the people that are sitting out in their lawn chair in the front yard, and there's a tree on their house. Um, we just show up and say, hey, how's it going? You need some help? Well, I don't have the money to pay for it. We're not asking for your money. We do this out of the goodness of our hearts, and Jesus tells us to serve. So that's a little bit about what we do. Um, I think we're going to talk a little bit more, but I'm going to let Barb go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to get two things straight right off the bat. I am four, nine and three quarters, so there's no, no questions about that. And, um, I am going to cry, so just everybody just be ready because I don't cry pretty. But um, I'm Barb Meister. I am a 61-year-old grandmother who has lived my life. Um, I've been a dispatcher, editor of a newspaper. Um, I've run three different departments for Hy-Vee. I was a chiropractic assistant a dietary supervisor at a nursing home, and the chiropractic assistant I did for 16 years, and it was a toxic relationship. Um, and it was bad, and at the end, in July, it was even worse. So I need to start over. How do I start over? Um, I grew up in a very unique situation. My, my father passed away when I was 12 years old. 
He was 49 years old, and the first symptom of a heart attack was death for him. Um, and my mother was 10 years younger. She was 39, and six months later, she had her first heart attack. So my world was rocked, first of all, as having been my, my father's daughter. And at 12 years old, um, that was my identity, was being Chuck Thomas's daughter. I knew exactly how to act. I knew exactly how to talk. I knew when to talk, when not to talk. I had impeccable speech, and I was spanked if I didn't. So um, that's how I learned respect. Um, but having lost one parent and then my mother becoming sick, and then she decided she needed to be able to um, raise us and support us, she went back to school. So I basically was kind of on my own a little bit and um, made some good choices and made some not so good choices like we all do. I was, I was a teenager. Um, since I kind of lost my identity, I needed to figure out who I was and that wasn't very easy. So I turned to food and I figured, well, I can, I can control my food and I can eat as much food as I want to. I also then discovered bulimia. So I've been bulimic since I was 12 years old. Um, finally, about eight years ago, it occurred to me that maybe I should say something to my husband. So um, he knows. And then a couple years after that, I thought maybe I better talk to my doctor about this. And so um, we started going over a few things and I, we discovered that I had some, some depression and some anxiety and I was a mess and I just thought that's how people lived. Um, and she said, so do you, do you think you want to talk to somebody about it? And I'm like, well, you think? And she says, I think we can. So they started sending me to people that, you know, wanted to sit and listen. They would just say, oh, stop it. You can, you know, you're grown up. You can stop this. Or, and it was, it was, um, didn't stop anything. It just, the hurt and the pain was still there. And um, I just always in my heart knew that no matter what cool job I was doing, it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Um, when I was a dietary supervisor at the nursing home, I discovered serving people, and I loved that. I loved making their home their home and making sure that their favorite foods were being fixed and making sure that, you know, that the chocolate candy bars were available and, and things like that. So I really learned that service was awesome. Um, and then, Last year, we all talk about the year of COVID. Well, it was probably the most important year in my entire life. Um, in February, we finally fulfilled a promise to some friends and took a trip to Peru. And I, of course, came back just absolutely on fire. I was gonna save the world. And then COVID hit the week after we got back, so we all went into our houses. And I just, since I was an essential worker, I continued to work and, and my relationship at work just got worse and worse and worse. Then my husband, husband got um, COVID without any symptoms. So we separated the house in two and spent a couple weeks, um, him on one side and me on the other side. My side was clean. Um, <laughs> And in the meantime, my boss got really, really unhappy with me because she thought that we shouldn't be together in this house. And um, push came to shove and there was some screaming. My husband looked at me and he says, you, you just quit your job and you quit it now. So I, I quit my job and I had not been without a job since I was 13 years old. I've always had a paycheck. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? He, I said, do you want me to go work at Fairway or Hy-Vee? And he says, no. Something will come along, something will figure something out. Don't worry about it, we're all right. Um, so a couple of weeks later, just out of, we can say pure chance, but we know that's not true. I was flipping through Facebook and I found a newsletter by a person named Chipper Fife. And I read said newsletter and he was writing the words that I could have written. Um, he and I were, very much alike in some of the things that we did and do and have and um, the way we react. And uh, I decided, being impulsive, that I just needed to meet him. Because I, I knew all that stuff he was going through, I could fix this. So I invited him over for supper and he came over and we started a conversation. And we continued to talk and we continued to talk and we've continued to talk. and. 
I don't remember exactly where, but all of a sudden he realized that I didn't, I didn't know Jesus. I was 61 years old and I had been to church. I play on the praise team. I have Bibles. I've been to Bible study. I've done Sunday school. I didn't know Jesus. I had no relationship whatsoever. I couldn't tell you what the gospel was. Um, I have some learning disabilities, so I do not memorize. So I'm not going to be able to whip off the Bible verses, but I do know the stories. And um, so over the past year, Chipper has basically spoon-fed me the gospel. Um, uh, it's been incredible. I just feel like a big sponge. And um, so the derecho hit in August, on August 10th, and for some reason I decided I needed to go help. And so I'd already met Chipper, and so I just called a couple friends and said, hey, let's go cut down some trees. So we did. And I fell in love with it. I thought, this is it. This is where I want to be. So a couple weeks later, I made up an excuse, and I made lunch, and I drove four hours to take it to them. That was a good reason, wasn't it? Yeah, they didn't argue about that. <laughs> they, these boys can be bought with food, I'm just going to tell you right now. They will do almost anything for food. Um, so yeah, by that time, uh, I was definitely sold, and I learned that you don't touch the end of the wire because somebody did turn the electricity back on. Um, so I just knew that that's where I wanted to be. At the end of October, they were getting ready to wrap it up, so I went to the Keystone area, and I spent a week with them. Um, and the rest is kind of history. I, we say now that I barbed my way in. I barbed in. I just made them believe that they totally needed me. So uh, we started making arrangements, and for three months I volunteered, and then January 1st I came on as a full-time team member. Never been on a team before. Picked a good one. So um, it's, it's been quite a learning experience. Um, I know most of you have probably been doing, like you know, Chipper said, all your lives you've been soaking this up well. This has been a really big crash course for me in one year, and I've learned lots of things, and I cry a lot. Um, I'll get convicted. I'll, I'll be hit with something. Um, part of my problem, one of my problems was a lot of self-loathing. I was never tall enough. I was never pretty enough. I figured everybody sitting out there wanted to know why I chose that outfit. My hair looked like I was, you know, crazy, and they just, I never felt like I was good enough. So I was, I worried about that kind of thing. I carried trauma with me. I'm still concerned because I didn't make, um, get the part in The Sound of Music when I was six years old. Probably not real important anymore, but it was still weighing on my heart because it told me that I wasn't worthy. I wasn't good enough. It's like, well, look it. And every time I saw a little failure, it's like, well, see, you're just not good enough. And I was able to continue to just hold on to all of those until I had zero self-worth. Um, so that's when Chipper came along and we started getting rid of a bunch of that. So I no longer worry about things like that. And um, the, one of the hardest days, I think, was the day that I realized that God made me the way he wanted me. And that was really hard because I've never particularly cared to be four foot nine and three quarters and built like a block. Um, I wanted to be, you know, small and thin and cute like all the other girls. And all of a sudden on the way to work one morning, it occurred to me that God had made me exactly the way he wanted me. And that hurt because I had been hating myself. And I thought that by hating myself, I was hating Jesus and God for what they had done to me. And I learned very quickly that um, the decisions I've made are mine, but God made me the way I am. So uh, we laugh that I text ahead and say, I'm coming in hot, and that means Barb's going to be in tears. Everybody better just drop what they're doing and sit down, because it's going to be a little bit. But um, the atmosphere, I think I'm going to move into then what GoServe does and what we do as a team. Um, Probably the best thing that we do as a team, the green button. The best thing that we do is when there's a need among the, the four of us, we stop and take care of it. Um, we don't get to carry any of our baggage around. If it's 2.30 in the afternoon and something's not right, you just simply walk in and get everybody's attention and say, we need to talk. And we will sit down and we will talk and we will pray and we will cry and we will hug until it's 
till we've kind of got it all straightened back out. So um, as a team, it's, it's a complete blessing. I've never been in a place where you could do that. So I have been able to um, drop most of my baggage. These boys let me come and work with them. They've given me a chainsaw. Her name is Baby Shark. And they let me do all kinds of things. And so um, it's a testament of God using the most unlikely people. We've all been watching The Chosen lately, I'm assuming. And you see the, the diversity that they have put, you know, with the people that Jesus has asked to follow them. And uh, we're diverse. I mean, these two bachelors are letting Mama Bear come along and, and do her thing. And that's that's pretty cool. So um, we go places, we do things, um, we cook, I cook for them. Some of you have been there while we've been on mission trips and it's getting to the point now where we're all kind of deciding what we do and why we do it. I would much rather be out playing with the boys there and cutting down trees and doing fun things. But um, my calling is probably feeding people and making sure that, you know, the, hospital, the hospitality is being taken care of. And that's okay. If that's where I'm supposed to be, that's where I'm supposed to be. And I've had some amazing opportunities um, in that kind of a situation too. So we go wherever and whenever and do whatever. And we say, people will say, well, I don't have time to volunteer. People need to understand that a batch of cookies is volunteering and service. Um, it doesn't mean you have to go out and give two weeks of your life to cut down trees or tear a house apart, that you can bake a pan of bars. And that's, that's volunteering and that's serving. So those opportunities are out there. Um, so we say that disaster is anything from the derecho or a flood to the lady that has the tree on her house and just needs help or her roof is leaking. And that's what we look for, and we are blessed enough that um, God has given us the merchandise, the equipment, and the skills to go out and do that work. I didn't cry. Yeah, some pictures. Mike, no, you come with me. All right, fine. We'll we'll tag team it. I'm just going to run the clicker Um, button. So... One thing, uh, we do everything through donations and our own support raising. All four of us are completely um, self-funded. We uh, go out and we talk to churches, and that's how we make a living. Is uh, It's through people like yourselves, churches that uh, give to missionaries and uh, that can come on board with us. Um, we brought some information, some pamphlets and stuff in the back. Uh, we will be around after church to uh, kind of give you guys a little, little bit more of a rundown of uh, what we do and how you guys could be a part of our, our ministry, um, whether that be serving or donating, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, take it away. It's service is, it's not something that you go somewhere and you do something else. It's not um, taking a trip. It's not, um, you know, I serve at church from five to six o'clock on Wednesday evenings, and then I don't do anymore. Service is a lifestyle. Service is an attitude that we're called to have by God. Um, And um, I think if we go to Philippians chapter two, um, verses three through eight, do I, do I have slides yet? All right, cool. Well, and you guys don't get any slides. Sorry about that. (laughs) All right. So, um, Yeah, so we're going to go to Philippians 2, um, starting in verse 3. And this is, I think this could kind of encompass most of what I'm going to be saying, um, but I just chose to go with some extra Bible verses um, for the fun of it. So, starting in verse 3, I'm going to read this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if, if we just take a look at that, he says that our attitude should be like Christ, who took on the nature of a servant. He gave up all of his godly rights. He gave up the nature of God. Um, and he came to earth to serve us. Um, he says, that's, how, that's what your attitude should be. Christ is our example. He's our savior, but he's also our example. Um, and the first couple of verses, it's, it just says it pretty plainly. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but think of others as more highly than yourselves. Um, so I think that kind of encompasses the attitude of serving that we're supposed to have, is to give up myself, give up my life, give up my rights for the good of other people. So that's, that's my summary of everything I'm going to say. Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump in. I'm going to start off by um, answering the what question. What is serving? Um, I think serving is selfless. Um, and selfless serving is actually a miracle, I believe. Because how many of us are actually naturally selfless? Um, just we're born and all of a sudden, yay, I'm, you know, I'm just naturally selfless. I don't care about myself. I care about everybody else. Um, that, I mean, that doesn't happen. So the fact that anyone is able to think about somebody else and put their needs and desires above my own, I think is a miracle. It's a work of God. Um, and it's, it's a necessary work of God if we're going to serve, um, if we're going to serve like he would call us to. Um, so serving is selfless. Serving is a miracle. Serving is doing good to others. Um, it's thinking about what would be good for somebody else um, and then taking care of them, whether, whether it is good for me or not. I mean, serving can be very costly, yeah? I mean, Tony, I, don't, I doubt he would call it a sacrifice, but he's given up a lot of time. His wife has given up Tony a lot of time for him to come and work with us, um, and we're so grateful that Beth has shared him with us. But, I mean, all the rest of you guys who came to, came to Keystone, there was a sacrifice involved there. You guys wanted to come help, but there was stuff at home that couldn't get done because you weren't there. So serving costs something. Um, and I think uh, Mark chapter 10 um, illustrates that for us pretty well. Um, but I got to get there first. Let's see. It's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Um, yeah, it's a fa fairly famous verse. Um, it says just simply, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, so again, Christ becomes our example. He's, he's our Savior for sure, but there's a there's an example and there's a calling there. Our Savior did not come to be served. He's our king, but he didn't come to be served by us. He came to serve us. And the way that he served us is by giving up his life. So I think that's a pretty good definition of serving, giving up your life for the good of someone else. Um, and um, being that... Jesus gave up his life and served us. That's a pretty good calling for us to give up our lives and to serve other people. Um, if our Lord, our King, our Savior served us, um, I believe it's, it's our call to be living a life of service um, to others. Yeah. We, uh, we talk pretty often about... Um, being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? We're the church, we're his body, um, we're the, the physical representation of Jesus here on earth. Um, and Jesus is a servant, so if we're going to be his hands and his feet, if we're going to be his body, living a life of service doesn't seem optional. It, um, it's, it's an attitude, it's a lifestyle that goes with us wherever we go, wherever we're at. So my 
what my slide would have said is um, serving is giving my life for the good of someone else. And it is our calling as Christians. So we'll move on to where do we serve? Um, I mean, are there any spatial limitations? Are there any geographical limitations on where we're supposed to be serving? Um, Do we serve in Lake Tahoe? Do we serve here in Missouri? Do we serve in Iowa? Do we serve in Uganda? Is there anywhere that we're not supposed to be serving? Um, And my slide would have said no. Um, (laughs) Service... Service is something that happens everywhere. There's not, there's not a limit, there's not a place, there's not, there's not a place that's off limit for service. Again, it's, a, uh, um, it's an attitude, it's a lifestyle. Dayton gave me that word yesterday, the lifestyle. And it's, it's perfect because service is our calling. Service is um, a way to live wherever we're at. Um, so, uh, Dayton actually alluded to this. I'm going to Acts chapter 1, um, verse 8. Um, it's right, right before Jesus is taken up into heaven. He says to the disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, and you... It's all right. I'm the one who studied for this. <laughs> um, oh, hey, nice job. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit ditzy, I think, but thank you for the, for the verse up there. Um, so there's Jerusalem. The disciples were in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit came to them, and that was their first area of ministry. They go to the people next door to them. So I think that's a pretty good example. Who are the people next door to us that we can be serving? who are the people who live in our own house that we can be serving. So then it says, you serve, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. So in Judea and Samaria were the two, um, for lack of a better term, there were a couple of counties in Israel. Judea was the one that Jerusalem was in, and then Samaria was the next one to the north. So we're getting into a larger geographical region. You know, you're serving your neighbors, your town, and you're serving your county and the one to the north of you. Um, seems like there's, there's a pretty big county up to the north of you guys, right? Um, and then to the ends of the earth. Um, so it goes from right next to you to a little bit further out to go everywhere. Um, and I mean that's what that's what the Great Commission reminds us of too. You, um, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, I guess there's probably not an exception to that word all. Any nation that there is out there, we're to be going and making disciples. It doesn't mean that the th- four of us can go to every nation, but we can go to one. So. Um, geographical limitations on service don't exist. So where do we serve? We serve everywhere. You start with your wife sitting next to you. You start with your kids in your home. You start with the neighbor kids at your apartment who don't have a dad and desperately need one. No, no, I'm not, no, I'm not gonna be their dad, but I'm the cool, I'm the cool uncle. <laughs> um, and then go to your town. It was perfect last night, just your guys' outreach to the community. I loved it. Um, Just get people here, interact with people from the church, have a good time together, and let the Lord work. Because you've got the Holy Spirit living inside you. You get the Holy Spirit next to an unbeliever interacting. I mean, good stuff is going to happen. And then you go to the ends of the earth. Where would the Lord have you go? Um, so, so where do we serve? Wherever the heck God would have you go. Um, so, next we move on to when do we serve? Um, so, is there is there a right time to stop serving? Is there are there time limits on um, you know like I can only serve from 
eight o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And if it's in between 10 and eight, nope, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sleeping. <laughs> um, I'm fairly certain that any parent here can tell me that that's not a thing. Um, heck, I even, I've only had a cat and I know that that's not a thing because four in the morning, it's, I'm not actually serving him. I'm kicking him out of my bedroom because I want to sleep. Um, but I mean, if your kids wake you up at two in the morning, um, they had a bad dream, is that not a time to be serving? Is that just, nope, nope, you've, sorry, I'm, I'm off right now. You gotta go deal with it yourself. It's just, of course not, of course not. So there, there's no time limits. There's no uh, end of when we serve. It's always, there's, there's always an opportunity to be serving. Um, I, um, I was thinking of Mark chapter one, um, where it's, I don't remember where they're at, but Jesus, it's Mark 1, 32 through 35. The Sabbath day is just ending, uh, the sun goes down, and then the whole town comes out um, and says, like, hey, Jesus, we got a bunch of sick people, we want you to heal them. Um, and so the sun goes down and Jesus starts working, and he starts ministering to an entire town. Um, he healed a bunch of people, um, he drove out demons, um, and then he goes to bed, and then he wakes up early the next day to go um, talk to his father. Um, so I, I, I've got a couple of points to make on this, that just there's simply not, there's not an off time. There's not a time that God isn't allowed to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, would you serve right now? Would you be available to help this person right now, whether it's eight in the morning, two in the afternoon, or two in the morning. Um, there's always that possibility. There's, um, there, there's an attitude of availability that um, I think we need to have when it comes to serving. So that's point number one. But then point number two is I, I don't want you to hear me saying um, you have to always be serving and helping people 24-7 because rest is a good and necessary thing. It's not that we're supposed to take the example of Jesus here, because he was working late and then he got up early in the morning to read his Bible, that's what we have to be doing all the time. Um, because sleep and downtime and rest is very necessary, that's the way God has made us. Um, and it, it's easy to forget. So, so I don't want you to hear me saying, work, 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 because you gotta earn God's love and God expects you to always be serving and working. God is good and he gives us times to rest. But I think our attitude should be always being available. Whenever God taps you on the shoulder, saying, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, yep, now's the time. And there may be times that you're just dead tired um, and you wanna go rest, but the Lord says, nope, now's the time to serve. And he gives you the strength to do it in those times. He doesn't ask you to do something that he's not going to help you to do. It's not that, <laughs> it's not that he's the mean, the mean God who says, no, you have to be stronger. You've gotta go do this, this good thing because I told you to and I'm gonna go sleep and you've gotta stay up and do. No, that's not our God. That's not our God. He's good and he goes with us, but he does test us. He does try us, he does stretch us. So, yeah, my point. When do we serve? Anytime, all the time, but don't neglect or despise rest because it's good and it's a gift from God. Okay, this one will kinda hurt, I think. <laughs> Who do we serve? Um, are there, any, are there any limitations on who we're supposed to be serving? Is there anybody that falls into the, the no, I, I, I don't need to take care of those people. I don't need to care about those people category. Um, the answer is fairly obvious, but no, no. Um, we have multiple, multiple examples. Um, I mean, the greatest one is God himself who he came and he died for us while we were still sinners. We were his enemies. We were rebels against him, deserving of judgment and wrath. And he says, no, I'm gonna come serve him. 
I'm going to come die in their place because I love them. It's just like, okay, well, so my argument with this person kind of, you know, seems a little bit petty at the moment, and um, refusing to love and care for them seems pretty small and, uh, yeah. yeah, when compared with the love of God and the ways that he has loved us and cared for us and given himself to us, um, there's, there's no one. There's no one who's off limits. There's no one who God couldn't look at us and say, hey, I want, to, I want you to love them. Um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Um, where are you? Let us not become weary of, in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we've got it right there in writing. Let us do good to all people. Um, that's, pretty, that's pretty plain and simple. But then there's also, there's also the, uh, but especially to the family of believers. There's, there's a family within believers. There's a communion, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit because when you're a believer, you've got, the Spirit of God living in you, and if this person is also a believer, they've got the Spirit of God living in you. You, you might get, not get along on some areas, but you've got the deepest bond, just automatically. You have the same Spirit living inside of you. Um, and there's a love. God loves himself, right? Um, so I, there's, there ought to be a special love between us as brothers and sisters, as one family in Christ, um, and a desire to serve. Um, it's, it's almost a preference to, um, to our unbelieving friends. Um, and this verse, I think, calls us to, um, <laughs> to prefer to um, do more good to our brothers and sisters in the faith. Yeah. We also have um, several, a very good example and a very good um, command when Jesus, um, Jesus tells us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Like, that's pretty difficult. That's pretty heavy. That's, um, like, that's, that's, that's another miracle that has to take place in us. Um, to be able to love enemies and to be praying and doing good to those who are intentionally doing harm, trying to harm us. Um, again, that has to be the miracle of God working in us because that's who God is. That's what he did for us. Um, yeah. And then the really, really tough example is when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. I'm pretty sure all 12 of them are still there at that point which means that Judas was sitting there in the room. And Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him, that he loves money more than he loves Jesus. And Jesus gets up and he washes Judas's feet, the one who's going to betray him to be killed. What? Huh? <laughs> like... <laughs> Even the people who betray us and hurt us and want to kill us, that's our example. That's our Lord. That's our God. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty awesome God, right? Oh, so that one, that one hurts. That one will take a lot of work. But even our enemies were called to serve humbly. All right, moving on. Nope, that was, that was the wrong direction. All right, this is, the, uh, this is the one I think that'll make everything else possible. The why do we, why do we serve? This, this is the one that 
I think we have to get right in order to do service well. Um, I mean, what's, what's the motive for serving? I, I think very often our motives are what's most important. Um, our heart is what's most important, not exactly, not what we simply are doing, but why we're doing it. Um, so, I mean, is it just that we're commanded to serve, so we serve? Jesus said so, so I'm going to do it. And that, that was the way I grew up. That was, that was my understanding. It was, well, the, the Bible tells us to, so we got to go do it. Um, but if you're just trying to will yourself into um, doing what's right, you're going to get burned out. You're going to come to the end of your own will. You're going to come to the end of your strength and eventually just say, nope, nope, I'm done. I'm walking away. Um, and I've, I've found that spot. I've found that place. Like, I, I don't have that much will. I don't have that much strength. And sometimes it's just like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. Got to go take a break. Um, yeah. So a life of service cannot come before a heart changed by the gospel. We just can't do it. There's, we just can't do it in, in the truest, deepest fashion. Um, a heart of service, a life of service, has to be motivated by the love of God, um, has to be motivated by the gospel, or else we won't have the strength, we won't have um, the will to keep going when it's tough. We won't have, we won't have the ability to serve our enemies because they're our enemies. Um, but if we get filled up with the love of God, the love that God showed us, the love that um, motivated him to leave heaven, come and serve the people who are rebelling against him and actively trying to build their own kingdom over and above his, to come and love them and serve them and correct them and then die for them. If we get that into our hearts, filling us, overflowing, that is going to turn into a life of service. And that's the kind of service that's going to last it's not doing it because I should. It's doing it, wow, God has loved me. God has taken such good care of me. And that gives us the strength to serve long-term, to, to continue doing good and to not give up. Because even, even serving others can actually be a selfish thing for us if we're not doing it right because it, it's entirely possible, you know, our, our sinful natures um, are, go so deep and sin is so wicked that I would be able to try and go serve other people as a means of trying to make me feel good, right? Um, I might not actually like this person, but I don't feel good about the fact that I don't like that person, so I'm going to go serve them, and then that makes me feel better, and I must be right with God because, you know, I was... I was nice to somebody who I don't like. That's, that's way wrong. Um, it looks good on the outside, but there's no, there's no heavenly reward for that because my heart is all wrong. Truly caring for others can only happen after the gospel has changed your heart. Um, when, when the gospel comes and changes us, when we become Christians, when we're born again, it's not just simply Jesus died on the cross and I'm forgiven of my sins and I get to live in heaven with him when I die. It's I get to be, I am made, reborn into a completely new person who has the spirit of God living in him um, and who increasingly, day by day, is called and transformed into the image of Christ. Christ, the one who washed Judas's feet. I'm transformed into that image. God does that work in, in us, day by day, moment by moment, by his spirit. Um, and that is how we live a life of service. That's the power to live a life of service. But it can't be done um, 
just simply by my own will. This, this, is, this is a supernatural life God has called us to, and he must supernaturally give us the power, um, the power to do it. Whether, whether you don't know Jesus and you need to be born again and converted, or if you do know Jesus and you need the Holy Spirit to help you take the next step in service, it, you can't do it on your own. You've got to seek him. You have to sit with him. You have to read your Bible. You've got to look at the gospel and let your heart understand how much God loves you. You've got to sit there and just drink it in until it flows out of you. And then along with our sharing, we have to be, along with our serving, we have to understand that just simply taking care of people is not the end goal. Just simply giving a new roof to a widow is not the end goal. Because if she has a new roof, she'll still go to hell whether she has a new roof or not if she doesn't know Jesus. So the hope of serving is to be able to show people the love of Jesus and be able to tell them about Jesus so that they can know him, so that they can have eternal life. It does us no good if we're cutting down trees left and right, but we forget to tell people about Jesus. So the motive, the motive for serving is the gospel. It's, it's the power for serving, but it's also the, uh, the hope. We, we hope that by serving, we can give someone a visual aid of the gospel, and then we can earn the right by caring about them by taking care of them in order to tell them about Jesus. There's, the, there's, no, there's no other motive that'll do for service. It has to come from the gospel. And the gospel is the only, um, the gospel is the only power that will, that will make it work. Yeah. So, um, so the last one is, how? How do we serve? Um, the, good, the good news for this is that there's 8 million different ways that you can serve. It just depends on how creative you are. Um, I mean, Jeff and Karen, you guys can serve in ways that I cannot. You guys have gifts and talents that I don't have. And I can climb trees, and Dayton doesn't, so I can serve in that way. Dayton can hold the rope on the ground and make sure that the tree branch doesn't hit the ground when I cut it down. He, or the house. Yeah. So how, how we serve, the practical ways that it looks, it's, yeah, it just depends on how creative you can get. Um, um, but I have one more verse. I just, I love sharing this one. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Acts 17 Verse 25, because um, I think it's important that we remember um, that we remember this promise that no matter how much service we do, we're not actually we're not giving any benefit to God. It's like everything that we do, everything, every breath that we take is given to us by God. The strength that we have to serve is given to us by God. So, so my encouragement would be to recognize and depend on the God to give you the strength um, to, to serve in the way that he's calling you to. So Acts 17, 25. Um, I'm going to start in 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives to all men life, breath, and everything else. So <clears throat> God gives us life, right? and if that wasn't enough, he gives us breath. And then in case though we missed anything in life and breath, he gives us everything else too. There's nothing that we have that wasn't given to us by God. The food that we ate for breakfast, the strength that um, we have to be here today, the health that we have or don't have, um, the knowledge, the skills, 
everything was given to us by God. Um, so let's depend on him more. Let's ask him for more. Um, because he's given us good gifts. So we can ask him for more good gifts to be able to serve. Um, yeah. So I, I also wanted to make mention of just um, an attitude that some, sometimes can pop up. That, that there, there can be a difference between, um, you could call it secular and sacred work. You know, there's people who do ministry full-time, and then there's everybody else who just has normal jobs, and it's just kind of, you know, you're not actually serving the kingdom of God. But that's so very false, um, because God created us to work. He gave Adam a job as a farmer in the garden, and he said it was good, um, so it's true that you know, some of us get the blessing of being able to do ministry full-time, but that doesn't mean that you can't serve, job, serve God in your job. Um, you, can serve, you could serve God, or God better possibly than I can in my job if you're doing it with a good attitude for the glory of God, trying to, <laughs> trying to be a good example um, at your work. If I come... To my job, even if I'm doing ministry with a bad attitude, I mean that's that's not as good as going to a regular job with a God-glorifying attitude and a loving attitude towards your coworkers. So I hope I hope nobody feels like um, like I can't serve God because. I don't do ministry or I can't go on mission trips. Um, I, love, I love the little sign on the back of the door there that you've got. You are now entering the mission field. We leave this room and the mission field is right in front of us. There's neighbors, there's coworkers who need Jesus. There's bosses who might not be good bosses, but they probably aren't good bosses because they need Jesus. Um, so, so how can we serve? There's, I mean, you can serve your family. You can serve um, at your work. You can serve the people at the grocery store by smiling and saying hi. Ask them how their day was. Um, you can serve other people while you're sitting in traffic um, by praying for them. Or, you know, if you get angry that they're um, driving all crazy, maybe, um, you know, pray for the people who are around them that they wouldn't get hurt. Um, and, try and, um, try and remember that, I mean, I can't see into that person's heart. Um, that's something that's been very, very useful for me is just understanding that I can't, I don't know what motivates somebody to drive crazy through traffic and go 100 miles an hour when the speed limit is 70, you know? I don't know if they're late for something. I don't know if they <clears throat> um, just have something broken in them that makes them feel like they have to drive 100 miles an hour. I don't know, but God does, and he can take care of them, so I can pray for those people. Um, so you can serve at church. There's, I mean, there, I know there's thousands of ways you can serve at church, whether it's last night, whether it's teaching Sunday school, whether it's nursery. Um, there's, yeah, opportunities are endless. Um, you can serve, this one's kind of personal, you can serve the single people at your church. Invite them out for a meal. <laughs> In, um, introduce them to the other single people that you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, or you could serve them by praying that they don't idolize marriage and that they're satisfied in God before um, before finding a spouse, before um, rushing into a bad relationship and a bad marriage because they were just simply lonely. Pray, um, or you can serve on a mission trip, whether it's going to Omaha, whether it's going to India. Um, yeah. So there's... Um, Having a, life, having a lifestyle of service, kind of, uh, it's kind of like putting on a new set of glasses or putting in a new set of eyes, being able to look around your world, going through everyday life. 
um, and learning to see the opportunities to serve because they're everywhere. They're not just um, getting on a plane and going somewhere else and building a home for someone. They're not, um, you know, they're not just at church on Wednesday nights. Opportunities to serve are everywhere. Um, yeah, so... So here's, here's the conclusion. Um, lay, serving, serving is laying down your life for the sake of others because Jesus has already guarded your life from death. He's already ransomed our lives from death. He has served us. He has taken care of us. Now I can give away my life and take care of other people. So... I think I'm done. I, I, don't, I don't know how to close this thing. Um, I think I went a little bit long, but thank you for listening. Yeah, please. <laughs> please, please stop me, Dave. <laughs> uh.